It wasn't the prettiest start by the U.S. men's national team, but five goals in the second half helped the U.S. beat Guatemala 6-0 in the most lopsided victory in the Jurgen Klinsmann era. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Along with me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? I, it's going very well. You know, very positive to see the U.S. Uh, uh, improve drastically in the second half and defeat Guatemala 6-0. Well, you know, it was a like you said, it was it didn't start off the prettiest way, uh, but you know, the early struggles were what you would expect for a team that just came together and really hasn't played together uh, before. But they they started taking over in the first half. After the first thirty, they started finding a rhythm, and everything changed in the second half. Went to another level with some of the substitutions that Jurgen Klinsmann made. Why? Well, some of the improved play was that of Landon Donovan. Mix Diskarud, Stuart Holden, guys in the second half who came out as subs or played in the first half, stepped their game up in the second half. What did you see out of a bunch of guys on this team who who really stepped up in this game and, and now, you know, we're we're looking at them as guys who we want to see playing more and more and more? Well, you know, obviously the second half Guatemala looked flat. They looked like they, they wore themselves out after that for a pretty a pretty good first 25, 30 minutes for them. They uh they caused a lot of problems for the US, putting a lot of pressure on them, especially in the midfield. Um, you have to give Stuart Holden and Mixed Disc Group, they came on and really took control of the game in the middle. They replaced Beckerman and Torres, and uh, they just they just really uh, put turned the match on its head because they were able to just pick the Guatemala defense apart with passes, and, and it, you just got the sense that the whole U.S. team really started to get uh, more energy and started to move more because they knew the good passes were coming. Uh, and, and obviously, Landon Donovan, he did not start the match that well. You know, he had some turnovers. He, he struggled to really find the game. But um, as the first half went, went on and definitely into the second half, he, he, he turned it up another notch. And you have to give Klinsman some credit as well, Jurgen Klinsman, uh, moving Donovan from the midfield up to forward, giving him freedom to, to move around. And I think that really helped help bring the best out of Donovan. And you're, you're going to make that switch around the 30th minute mark for the U.S. in the first half. And you, you, right away, obviously, you could see the change that it had for the U.S. And you could also see that his confidence increased as the game went on, the more and more he was up top. Well, I mean, in the first half, there, were, there was a little bit of a back and forth. You know, he, was, he moved up top. He, he'd slide back to the wing. But I think in the second half, he, he stayed uh exclusively up top and 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 moved all over from there and I, and I think it, it wasn't so much the I don't think it was as much the position as the fact that the midfield was just more effective and and was able to take more advantage of of the runs that he'd make and 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 obviously there was more space as well because the the Guatemalan defense and the midfield just looked tired just didn't have that energy in the first 20 25 minutes they were putting all sorts of pressure uh on the US it was clear that they wanted to come out real strong uh, try to force the U.S. into some turnovers and some problems, and and that's why the the U.S. midfield and the defense had some pretty shaky moments in the beginning of the game and made you wonder, like, man, this is pretty ugly. Uh, but by the 30th minute on, the U.S. really started to take control. And then when you talk about the play of Stuart Holden, I, I noticed on the uh, the SBI, SBI live match commentary, Ivis has that for every show. If people ever want to participate in that, you can ask some questions. He talks about the game. Um, you, you did a poll. Who was your man of the match tonight? And, and everyone chose Stuart Holden. Was that the right answer? And, and how important was this game uh, for his development and coming back from the injury? Well, I don't know if everybody voted for Stuart Holden. Oh, 61%. Uh, when, I'm sorry, 61% well, majority, voted for Stuart Holden. A majority. I mean, obviously, Lennon Donovan... Uh, when the game was still in question, uh, you know, he, he scored two of the first four goals and he set up the third goal. Uh, well, he helped set it, set it up with a great run 
great layoff pass that they got redirected into the into Chris Wondolowski's path. So he's landing on an obviously great case. But just Stuart Holden, the way he was able to kind of settle the midfield and some of the passes that he he pulled off. Obviously he he set up Donovan's second goal with a great cross in. He had a great ball to Breck Shea uh, on what ended up being Bedoya's goal. And just overall, just the, the vision that he had and, and, and the touch on his passes were outstanding. And, you know, coming off this match, I mean, obviously it's just one match and it's just Guatemala. Uh, and they didn't look good at all in the second half of Guatemala. But, you know, you have to like his chances of, of earning his a, a place in the starting lineup when the U.S. starts their Gold Cup on Tuesday against Belize. Well, exactly. I mean, Guatemala is not going to be the strongest opponent, but I mean, you obviously want the team to go out there, defeat them, defeat them well. I mean, if, they, if we go out there and win, what, 1 0, 2 0, well, then, I mean, people are going to be starting raising questions, no? Well, I mean, the score, whatever. The scores don't really matter. But what matters is creating chances, uh, moving well as a unit. And uh, that's what you saw. In the, second, in the first half, the, there wasn't really good movement. I mean, really, I think DeMarcus Beasley was the only player who really stood out in the first 30 minutes of the game. Everyone else, you know, varied between looking pretty shaky and, and not really doing much. Uh, but then and things started to pick up uh, by the 30th minute on, and it's definitely in the second half with, with Holden and Discrude showing quite a bit of energy. Is there anyone else that impressed you? Maybe uh, Parkhurst, or I, I saw some people talking about Torres. I thought he was a little slow on the ball. I mean, I also thought Breck Shea looked outstanding on the wing. A- anyone else that you uh, were impressed with with their performance? Well, I thought Parkhurst did well for himself. You know, obviously it was a rough June. Well, it was a rough year for him, really. Uh, the, since he made the move to Augsburg, obviously he got paid going to a Bundesliga team, but you know he didn't get the playing time he would hope for there. So this goal cup is so important for him. Uh, it's it, a show a to show Kunzman that he's still someone who needs to be in the conversation uh, for the national team, and b also to showcase himself. You know, you, there are going to I'm sure there are going to be some scouts that come out, come out to the Gold Cup, and and it's his position to to lose. You know, he's going to be the right back for this tournament, and he played well. I thought he played well tonight. Brett Shea, yes, he came on late in the match and was just a force because you know obviously when he looked healthy, which is the great thing if you're a U.S. fan, seeing Brett Shea healthy. Running at people, showing the pace and purpose on the wing. Uh, you know, he he looked he looked like he didn't have any foot problems at all. Like he, you know, that, and that's encouraging. I mean, at this point, we don't know if he's going to be the injury replacement for Josh Gatt or if he's going to go back to England, which was which was supposed to be the plan uh, after this friendly because he isn't he wasn't on the original Gold Cup roster. Either way, I think that's an encouraging cameo for from him. Because he's either going to be health, like, healthy enough to, to be a, a real factor on the Gold Cup team mm-hmm. or he's going to be healthy enough to really challenge for playing time at Stoke City. What do you think is more important for him right now, though? You know, that's an interesting one. I think Stoke City. I think, I'll, put, I'll put it to you like this. If he, sco- if he does well in this Gold Cup, I don't think that is nearly as important to his role on, say, a U.S. World Cup team than him having a starting role at Stoke City and actually, you know, playing a full season in the Premier League, getting minutes—that is so much more important than a goal cup. You know what I mean? He so I, I think Breck Shea doesn't have to prove anything to Klinsman in the sense that he's already played a bunch of games for Klinsman. What Klinsman needs is for Shea to to make a name for himself in England, to get playing time on that level, uh, become an important player for Stoke City. That is the most important thing. So it, it really wouldn't shock me if he chose to let him go to Stoke and, and have his preseason there. Um, as much as, yes, it'd be great to have him. You'd, prob- you'd probably want to pencil him in. 
But I think this, this Gold Cup team's kind of set up already without him, to not have him, because you have Edgar Castillo, DeMarcus Beasley working the left. Uh, if you need someone else to work to the left, you can have Landon Donovan. So I think the team already has the options without him, so they don't really need him. They'd be better without him. I mean, they'd be better with him, but as I said before, it's it's. I think it's more important to him to earn himself a, a regular role with Stoke City. Also uh, want to congratulate Chris Wondolowski and Alejandro Padoya for getting their first international goals. And uh, we got to talk about Goodson's touch in the box. How how impressive was that? And then to follow up and then score the goal. Well, he did well. He did well on that sequence to to, to you know score the goal and, and took some good shots. But I tell you what, that first half for him was not a good first half, particularly the first twenty twenty five minutes. He just didn't. He looked a little jittery. Oguchi Yanwood didn't didn't necessarily look amazing either. Uh, yeah, what was up with that but, one? He like he took the ball to the back in like the fifth minute. I was like, what are you doing? Go back. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, it, there were some nervy moments for both those guys in the beginning. And you're talking about going going up against a Guatemala team with one forward, a team that was playing in a bunker in, and they still created some problems for them. Uh, I think you know the the communication issue might have been there. These guys haven't really played together at all, or not definitely not recently. So you know, from that standpoint, it, you could tell there there was some issues there. But they settled down, and obviously Guatemala posed no threat in the second half defensively. So they, they were able to kind of ease you know coast their way through the rest of the game. But um, you know, you you if if there's a quarter coming out of this match, like a real concern mm-hmm. is are these center backs going to be good enough? Once you're talking about playing some of the better teams that are in the Gold Cup, teams like Mexico, Honduras, Canada, uh, teams that are clearly better than Guatemala that are going to create more chances, more opportunity, and be more dangerous than Guatemala was. Um, not that I want to preview the next game for the U.S., which will be the opening game of the Gold Cup that will be against Belize up in Portland on July 9th. Um, but just real quickly, Ivis, and, and I know you, you're going to need more time to think about this and then, you know, with injuries and, and other, other, other various factors, but what are the chances that the starting 11 for tonight is the same starting 11 in the game against Belize? Did, or did any guys who came off the bench, did they maybe play themselves in the starting 11? Well, I think that was obviously the plan for Klinsman. Like he, the team he put out, I think was the team that he felt would be his lineup, his starting lineup for the Belize game on Tuesday. Having said that, uh, I just don't. Uh, one, the one player for me, obviously, Stuart Holden. I, I just, I think you know nothing against Jose Torres. I thought Jose Torres had a couple good moments, but he also had some not so great moments. He obviously assisted. Uh, uh, he helped set up Hercules Gomez, uh, the opening goal uh, by Gomez. I think. If you have, if you have a toss up between Torres and Holden, uh, I think you got to go Holden. I think you got to put him in there. I think that with the, with the things that he showed, um, clearly what it boils down to is this: Stuart Holden. When you talk about upside, when you talk about having the potential to be a starter on the full squad and be an impact player on the full squad, that is what Holden has. He has that potential. This is why Klinsman took the chance to bring him in and have him with the team all summer uh, to keep him active and to keep, you know, to help to try to make up for the lost time that he's had with all these injuries over the last few years. He has that, right? So tonight he showed that it's it's there, like that he can, it, it's, you know, it's not something that, you know, you're chasing ghosts and it's never mm-hmm. going to come back. No, he can still do it. Obviously, you know, the level of competition isn't isn't what isn't the best, but he still showed the qualities. And I think for that reason, 
Uh, I, I think Husband has to think about it. He has to think about starting Holden. I know some people will say, hey, what about Beckerman? Don't start Beckerman. I think uh, for me and for knowing what Klinsman likes, I find it tough to imagine he doesn't start. I think he'll keep whole, uh, Beckerman uh, to have him anchor the uh, the midfield, uh, defend in front of the back four, and, and then allow Holden uh, the freedom to, to kind of you know lead the attack from the middle. I think I still think that's what happened, but for me, if anybody, I think Stuart Holden's the guy who's who's earned himself a place in the starting lineup. For me, when when Holden did that, uh, you also put it in your match thread, Ivis. I saw it when Holden did that uh, that outside switch pass to Beasley. I think it was like the second minute into the uh, second half. That's why I was like, oh man, Holden looks like he's back. It was impressive. Um, but when you talk about players that are back. Landon Donovan clearly his performance tonight, like we talked about in the first half, wasn't the greatest. But you could tell after he got score after he scored the goal on the PK, you could tell his confidence increased. Um, he set up that goal for Wondolowski uh, for that finish. And then the other thing was great to see after the game. Um, you know, Landon Donovan was talking about how great it was to be there with another guy like Demarcus Beasley, who also had a good game tonight. I mean, those guys, their history, Ivis, it goes back for a very long time. They're playing careers together. Well, look, Landon Donovan had the kind of game you, you, he needed to have to start things off. The, this Gold Cup is is clearly important for him to kind of reestablish himself as a key figure on this team. Uh, I, I have no doubts that he'll be back on the full squad come September in, in those qualifiers. And I think this is clearly a step in that direction. You know, the first half, especially the first 30, was pretty forgettable. He was pretty invisible. Um, the, the attack wasn't doing much. But clearly in the second half, you could see... The, the tail went up, and he was very he was much much more active there. Started really getting more aggressive. Uh, you know, you have a feeling Klinsman kind of reminded him, "Hey, you're Landon Donovan. You're supposed to kill. You're supposed to crush Guatemala. Go at them, attack them." <laughs> and and that's what he did. You know, he totally went after them. He took the ball. Uh, where in the first half, he, he almost got the sense maybe he was deferring a bit, like he didn't want to impose himself. Uh, and he wanted to let these other guys, the guys like Joe Corona, Edgar Castillo, Jose Torres, let those guys kind of uh, have have their way with the game. Uh, but clearly, the second half he got he got more greedy. He started looking like the Landon Donovan of old, and he and he's there. He's he he has that ability. I would, I do want to talk about Demarcus Beasley because I, I found it really interesting the reaction to him being named captain and it was almost as if there's this there was this whole subsection of u.s fans who were angry and upset that he was named captain people just want to hate on him ivis they just want to hate on him it wasn't about him it was about donovan it was a you obviously donovan has his fans donovan has has has, i mean not most u.s fans are donovan fans but there's a section of of, of donovan fans who think he can do no wrong yeah, Klinsman never should have uh, left him out of these past uh, call-ups and, and that he's still the man and this and that. So those people feel, hey, he should be the captain because he's Lion Donovan, he's the all-time leading scorer, he's a legend, he should be the captain. But that, I mean, that doesn't, nece- that doesn't necessarily mean what a captain is. A captain is not, hey, who has the best resume, okay, you're the captain. No, captain is about being a leader on a team, being respected on a team, and also being a good locker room guy, locker room presence. And Beasley has been around. Beasley has been around this year. He was there in March's qualifiers. He was there in the May-June camp and games. And, and he has shown that, you know, he's he can be a good veteran leader. And his, just, his personality is real nurturing and, and infectious. You know, he, he sets a positive tone. And it, I, I found it great. I found it great that he came out, and played a great game from mm-hmm. start to finish, showing quality and showing, uh, you know, playing like someone who was proud to wear the armband 
and was ready to take his game to that level. And uh, and and I thought he was outside. I thought he was. When you talk about someone who was who was great for more than just forty five minutes, I thought he put in a solid full game performance. Well, I mean, Beasley also made some fabulous runs down the left, combining with Edgar Castillo in the very beginning, especially when the U.S. really wasn't generating much offense. They were the uh, Castillo was the one generating most of the offense in the beginning of the game. Um, I also thought it was cool. Uh, you saw the uh, NBC Sports Network; they flashed that little graphic at the bottom that Landon Donovan is now. Um, one of four players in the CONCACAF region with 50 or more goals. The other ones are Stern John, uh, Carlos Pavon, and Carlos Ruiz. So it was, it was very cool to see Landon Donovan uh, enter that exclusive list right there. Right. Well, I mean, you know, he he's already he was already the leading scorer for you in U.S. history, and now he's got he's broken through the 50 goal mark. And you know, I think what what gets lost a little bit is is not he he doesn't just have the 50 plus goals now. He almost has 50 assists now. I think he has 47. He didn't get an official assist on that Wondolowski goal, but clearly he, you know, he said he mm-hmm. created that. He created that. So, I mean, it just shows you what he can do and 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 where he stands in the kind of all-time context of Concacaf and, and and the longevity that he's had. And he's clearly not done. I mean, he's gonna, who knows how many goals he can add to that total. And I think this Gold Cup is going to be a great opportunity for him uh, to rack up a few goals. Ivis, with with all the positives that we've talked about in the game, are there any causes for concern going forward? Well, I'd say the center back uh, position. It, you know, Guatemala clearly they didn't have the weapons to really challenge those two. But I think you know the first half there were there were some causes for concern. There were some shaky moments, some questionable plays. Uh, you know, obviously Onyeyi will look a little suspect on a few possessions. Goodson, uh, decision making wise, had a few you know head scratchers. Like there was one sequence where you know Romando had to come out like 30 yards from goal to get a ball because Goodson didn't just deal with it. Um, so, so from that standpoint, you you you, wor- you wonder and you worry, you know, about this these center because these are your guys. These are your starting center backs for the Gold Cup. This is the roster that Klinsman has chosen, and he clearly has given these two guys the chance to have a full tournament to prove themselves. And uh, you know, Goodson obviously did better in the second half. Uh, he's you know getting up the field, scoring that great goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Onye was someone who you know clearly for me, I think if you know. I'm not sure where he is right now, but I, I think if he, you know, I know he's been written off by a lot of people, but I think he has, I still think he can have the quality to be, uh, you know, on the first team, uh, but we need to see it. Obviously, he hasn't been playing at Malaga, not uh, much at all. I mean, he played a couple of Champions League games obviously, uh, for them. He just hasn't been getting consistent playing time, and, and you wonder what that's done to his game. This is going to be a great tournament for him. To, to kind of get round himself in the shape. And something to consider as well is the way the schedule is made up um, for the U.S. Uh, they play their toughest opponent third, Costa Rica. They play Belize in their opener, and they play Cuba in a second match. So it kind of works its way up. So it's kind of good uh, for a player like Onyewu because, you know, that Belize match should, you know, should be, shouldn't be a huge, like a super tough test. Cuba, you wouldn't expect to, to be as tough, but Costa Rica obviously will be tougher. The quarterfinals will be tougher, so on and so forth. So it's going to be a good buildup. But I'd say right now, we're obviously nitpicking here. When you're talking about a 6-0 result, mm-hmm. how many negatives can there be, right? Not many, clearly. But if there is anything, it's the, it's it's what what where do the center backs stand and are they going to be good enough to win the Gold Cup? Well, of course, there's always things that you need to tighten up. But I think also the... Like we talked about, you know, Stuart Holden and Mix Discrude in the second half really helped the, the center backs take some pressure off of them compared to the previous uh, pairing that was in the first half between Beckerman and uh, Jose Torres right there. 
Before the victory tonight, Ivis, the biggest news on the U.S. scene was the transfer of Josie Altidore to Sunderland. Mixed emotions right now. Some people love it. Some people hate it. What's your reaction to it? Well, I don't think it's a bad move. I think I think it it can be a good move. I I I, I just think some of the logic behind some of the negative reactions I just think is a little misguided. I know some people will look at his time at Hull City and think, oh, look, that's a perfect example of, of, of why the league is not good for him or he's not well-suited for the Premier League. And I just think that's crazy. I mean, the guy, you know, he was – A, he was a lot younger then. B, he, you know, he, his confidence was in the tank because he hadn't, been, he hadn't played a Villarreal. He had an awful loan spell at Jerez. So he was in a bad spot. C, Hull City was awful that year. I mean, not they weren't just get relegated awful. They were, were one of the worst teams in recent memory in the Premier League awful. You know, they had injuries. They were already a bad team, but then injuries made them an atrocious team that just couldn't create chances. So here you are. You have this teenage Josie Altidore. His confidence is, is already kind of not, not at, a, at a good place. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing on this horrendous team. But I think even then he showed glimpses. I mean, I'll never forget the Manchester City game. After uh, Hull City, Manchester City, after the earthquake in Haiti, clearly an emotional time for him. He stepped out there, scored a goal, great goal, drew drew cards, yellow cards left and right, and and created all kind of problems for Manchester City. This was Josie then as a young kid. Now, three years later, he's obviously more mature. He's more confident. His game is as as has really blossomed at, at AZ. And he's, I think he's ready. I think he's ready to take it to, to, to the next level in the Premier League. I know some people will look at Sunderland and say, hey, this team barely made it. Uh, this team barely avoided relegation last year. Is he really walking into a good situation? Listen, folks, Sunderland did have a bad year last year, but they are not uh, one of these yo-yo teams that's uh, relegated and promoted uh, you know, year in and year out. They are a pretty big club. I mean, we're not talking Chelsea and United big, but they, I mean, they have money. They have some players Obviously, too. They have some players. They, I mean, they have, they have some talent there. They are spending money this summer to revamp their team because they clearly didn't like being 17th in the Premier League last year. So they're headed in a good direction. And I think Sunderland, why, why I think it's a good fit is because clearly they are not spending the money they're spending to go buy Josie Altidore if they are not going to hand him a starting role and give him every chance to succeed. Josie Altidore is going to have a great opportunity to, to shine and, and, and have himself steady minutes. It's not like he's going to a Champions League team where, you know what, he might not start, he might not get many games. If he has a bad run, all of a sudden he's on the bench. And then you're, and that's not, you don't want that for the, you know, the year of a World Cup either. So for me, I, I see the positives in it. I know some people don't. I know some people hate it, but I think it's, it can be a good move. Well, exactly. And it also, I mean, some players last year for Sunderland had down years. I mean, Adam Johnson, if he can refine his form, I mean, you have another guy, Sessegnon. He's going to be – he should be playing better this year than he did last year too. Uh, I should point out, uh, however, that at this point, as of late Friday evening, nothing official has been announced on the transfer. Uh, the, actually, Josie's own personal uh, official website had a story on it, uh, which you know I think clearly most people took as confirmation, official, unofficial confirmation, that the deal is in fact happening. Uh, actually, the story that, that – that, announced it the story that was on Josie's website is not there anymore uh and and you know some people took that as you know oh maybe there was a mistake there maybe maybe it's not happening actually what I've been told you know speaking to my people is that the reason the story is not there is because the site crashed because of all the traffic that went there because of the announcement uh and that caused the site to lose the story but you know it was so it was not pulled because it's not happening so 
it, it's happening, folks. It, you know, he he has to pass his physical on Monday, but once he does, it looks like he's going to be a Sunderland player. Well, I just hopefully he passes his physical, but. Wyvis, hopefully he passes his physical because I, I think the move to Sullen is going to be great for him. Um, this week there was MLS action, uh, lots of storylines, lots of uh, big games, lots of uh, away teams failing to uh, to hold on to their lead. Uh, but in this game, Montreal came back, scored two goals late in the second half, tied Toronto FC 3-3. Three to three, And uh, weird game, Wyvis. Montreal looked horrible in the first half, much better in the second half. And Toronto, I mean, they, they got to hold out longer than that. You know, even when they took the 3-1 lead, you got the sense something was going to happen. You just you just didn't – there wasn't just a lot – there just wasn't much confidence in them holding on to that lead. I mean, that's really been the story of the year, uh, story of Toronto's year. Uh, they played well. They played, they played great in the first half. They had two defenders score goals, and, uh, and, you know, everyone was feeling pretty good. But there was still that kind of impending doom feeling around them. Montreal, you give them credit. They, they rallied. They really – they could have t- taken all three points, actually, in that game. But you know what? Even though they, they came back, you know, you have to start to ask yourself, what's going on with that defense, right? We're talking about, uh, well, what is this now, seven goals in two games that they've allowed. And uh, Alessandro Nesta did not look good at all in this game. He looked old and he looked slow. And if he is not playing at a good level, then all of a sudden Montreal does not look like the world beater that you thought they could be. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's hurt. You also have you know, you're not- bad, bad plays by other guys, too. I mean, Camaro, had, he didn't even defend the, the uh, corner kick that came in for the Stephen Caldwell goal. I mean, there are so many guys making mistakes. So the fact that Darren O'Day drove Obviously, a truck. when you give up three goals, there's not just one guy to blame. But Nesta was awful on multiple occasions in key moments. So, I mean, you got he stands out. He's the, he's the legendary guy there. He's got the big name. He needs to do a lot better. Um, another good game was the Chicago versus San Jose game. Alan Gordon um, continuing his scoring streak scores the uh, opening goal, but Chicago pretty much just worked really hard after that. Dilly Duca had a great game, worked really hard. Chris Wolf had a great game, and Mike McGee uh, picks up the assist on that last goal for Chris Wolf and the Chicago Fire. Ivis, they, uh, I mean, you just the way they're playing right now is they look like they can beat every single team when they step foot on that pitch. Another, well, I'll tell you, the biggest news coming out of that match is the fact that Mike McGee actually did not score a goal. I thought, uh, I, what is this world coming to? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, now we know he's human. We know we know he's, unless he just decided not to score, so so no one would start to wonder if he's actually Superman. Uh, kidding. Uh, you know, the fire, like you said, they're on a roll. Obviously, McGee sets a great tone within that attack, within that team. It's not like they don't have other players, but he helps set a tone there. And and Dilly Duca, I tell you what, folks, this is two straight games now for him that he's done really well. He's starting to come around and show the qualities that, that you know, everyone thought he could have as a young, uh, talented player in the U.S. youth system. You know, I, I still remember him being on that U23 team, that uh, the, the, the team that didn't make it to the Olympics. I remember being in training camp there with all these other highly regarded, uh, you know, midfielders. And he was a guy, he was, for me, one of the best guys in camp. He has the talent. And if he if he starts playing well, between him and McGee, I mean, I tell you what, they're going to be really tough to stop. Uh, Chicago Fire have now, uh, they're on a three-game winning streak. Um, speaking of streaks, the Philadelphia Union are not on a good one right now. And that's This is now back-to-back weeks that they have lost the lead against teams that they should have probably beat. Uh, this last one coming against Real Salt Lake. Sebastian Latou misses a should-have-been goal very late. Uh, RSL comes back. Uh, Morales hits a PK. They tie the game. And um, 
Ivis for the union. I mean, what what can they do going forward to fix this? Well, okay. Before any RSL fans send us hate mail, no, the union, uh, the RSL is not a team the union should beat. However, if you're up man and you're leading in a game, you should be able to take all three points. And now for the second straight game, they've been in a position where they're up a man and beating a team that they probably shouldn't beat, but they had a chance to beat. FC Dallas, we also late two of the top teams in the Western Conference, top two of the top teams in MLS right now, record-wise. They had a chance to take, to take six points, six points against two good teams, and they let it go on two separate occasions, blowing late leads. And, and if you're a John Hackworth, you have, to, you have to be pulling your hair out because, you know, obviously that Dallas one was a heartbreaker. But now to come back just three days later and have it happen again, it was unbelievable. Ray Gaddis with the handball. And part of me feels for Regattas because, you know, what, what I didn't see many people talking about was the fact that Sebastian Velasquez was was jumped up into his armpit and kind of drove his arm up. Now, he still needs to do a better job to get his hand down, get it out of the way. But, you know, to be fair, like how often you end up in a situation where someone's jumping into your armpit and, and, and driving your arm up. But, again, credit to Real Salt Lake. They, you know, they kept pushing. The red card, I tell you what. Last weekend we saw uh, uh, some absolutely ridiculously bad calls last weekend, but the red card on Palmer, Lavelle Palmer, I tell you what, that was atrocious. Uh, like it should have been a red card. So in a way, you think you, you got to feel justice was done. Salt Lake deserved to get at least a point. I'm sure Philadelphia Union fans were upset when they when they saw that Jack McInerney wasn't dressed for tonight. But uh, I think Connor Casey in this game answered questions just just in the short term that he can pick up the role that McInerney had. I mean, Connor Casey had a fabulous game, uh, I, I thought, in this game. And do, do you think he can continue the way he played uh, going forward for the Union? He's, he, he can still play. He's still got something in the tank. I think, if anything, if you're, if you're a Union fan, uh, what's going to stick out in your mind is late in that game, Sebastian Latou has a breakaway. He has a chance to put the match out of reach, 3-1, to one, and he, he can't beat Josh Saunders. And, and, and at the end of the day, it wasn't a great attempt by him. I mean, I know Saunders will get credit for the save, but... Uh, Latutin had to do better because he had all the time in the world, he had all the space to get around him, and he didn't get get it done, and, and it ended up costing the union. Um, in a game that you you mentioned last week, how July Fourth is a house of horrors for the uh, New York Red Bulls. Colorado defeated them two to zero, and we've been talking about the play of Colorado as of late, beating the Montreal Impact in dramatic fashion, now beating the New York Red Bulls. Uh, you know, Ivis, what do you what do you take uh, from this game for the Colorado Rapids? Well, I'll tell you what. Look, I know the Red Bulls uh, had two really bad plays uh, on the goals that they gave up in that game, but that was always going to be Colorado's game. You know, in our last show, I said it. It's a house of horrors for the for for the Red Bulls. Anytime they go to Colorado, they just crap the bed. They don't play well. I don't know if it's just the altitude. I don't know what it is, man. But it's it's been like that for years, man. I I remember. I actually remember in two thousand and three being at Colorado. Uh, for a, a New York Metro Stars victory against the Rapids, but I think I feel like there's only been one win since then for a New York team, and you have to give the Rapids credit because they they were just a better team from the beginning. I mean, they just they they they, they look. It's clear that they they rode some confidence off that Montreal game, uh, and they're they're starting to really come. They're, they're coming together at at a, at a good time. They're right on the doorstep for a playoff spot, and and now they have a, a game against. A pretty winnable game up next on the schedule. So Oscar Pereira has him in, in a good spot, uh, and they deserve all the credit for winning that game. The, the Red Bulls did not lose that game. The Rapids won that game. Um, the LA Galaxy didn't have the greatest game 
but they kept pushing players forward, defeated the Columbus Crew 2-1. to one. Um, When they got two PKs, Robbie Keane converted both of them, and, and this is now back-to-back weeks, Ivis, where we've seen the crew break down late and, uh, and, and give up the lead or give up the draw and lose the game. Well, I'll tell you what. Any crew fans listening to this show right now are, are punching the, their computers or they're punching their Garrett Cleverly uh, bobblehead dolls because there's Garrett Cleverly <laughs> bobblehead dolls. I thought you made I thought you made one for yourself. But <laughs> no, no, anyway, no, there's none. Back to the point. Uh, the two PK calls, uh, most crew fans will tell you were awful, right? They were terrible calls. The first PK was legitimate. I watched the replay. I don't know how many times any group. Um, Absolutely caught uh, Jose Villarreal's with his knee. It happened. It was a peak. Now the second one, the game winner, Robbie Keane looked like it looked like a dive. Uh, no other way to say it. It looks like he felt a hand on his back and just went down under not much pressure. Uh, and and you, you got to feel for Bernardo Renor because he he scores the goal to he opened the scoring uh, with a great header and, and it looks like you know they could pull leave LA with three points which they absolutely needed as a team that was already on a two-game losing streak. But then for him to give up that penalty late, and he did have his arms out a bit, which is what kind of, I'm sure what the referee saw, is a Norris arms extended and Keane going to the ground, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I tell you what, the, but here's the thing, right? Uh-huh. It, 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 it's, it's terrible that a, a bad PK call cost them a point in that game. But in fairness, the Galaxy were the better team on the night, right? They created more of the the quality chances. They dominated play. They were the better team over the course of 90 minutes. So, like, for me, you know, while I definitely feel for the the crew in that they, you know, they were basically robbed of a point because of a questionable call, it's not as if the, the Galaxy didn't play well enough to get the three points because they did play well. They just couldn't finish. And that's something they need to start doing now because they, I mean, they, it's still not where it needs to be, and, and here we are in July, and Donovan's gone, and, and, and Robbie Keane cannot do it by himself. Ivis, there's also a full sled of MLS games this weekend. Let's quickly go through the games that are going to be this weekend. Uh, first game, Revolution versus the Earthquakes. What do you take? Uh, I have to go to the Revs. They're back home, and, and I think their defense steps it up and, uh, and shuts down the Earthquakes. Uh, Houston versus the uh, uh, Philadelphia Union. I think the Union are... are down in the dumps, and I think Houston absolutely needs three points, and I think they get it if Brad Davis is healthy. If Brad Davis is healthy, I think they win at home, and they get back to they get things turned around after the seven match winless streak. Uh, Cas- Cascadia Cup action here: Whitecaps taking on the Sounders. I know Vancouver's been rolling. I know Camilo's been killing it, but I got to go Sounders on the road. Uh, you know, I, I just think they're getting everyone back now, and I think they're ready to roll. Camilo's on fire. I think he has like eight goals in like five games or something like that. Um, Chicago Fire taking out Sporting Kansas City. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go draw. I'm going to go draw because I, you know these two teams. They always seem to play the zero zero draws, and uh, and I think Zusi versus McGee, great battle. I'm going to go. I'm going to say like a two uh, two two draw, two two tie. The Fire on 21 points right now. Sporting Kansas City on 27. A victory there for the Fire would really put pressure on Sporting Kansas City. Columbus Crew taking on Portland Timbers. Timbers keep rolling. Uh, Caleb Porter returning to Ohio where he made the magic happen with Akron, with the University of Akron. Uh, I think Portland wins, and Columbus makes it four losses in a row. And do the Montreal Impact uh, turn it around against Chivas USA? Uh, they've given up seven in two games. I just don't see Chivas being able to, to get to find the net. I think Montreal 
uh, gets it done. Although this could be Bocanegra's debut, uh, I don't, I don't. At this point, I don't know if that's true or not. If it isn't, I think DeVaio has a field day. Uh, Colorado Rapids look like they can increase their winning streak here to three games while they take on DC United. You got to go Rapids. They're at home. DC's just not, you know, they're not there. Uh, you got to go Rapids. You got to go Rapids. Clint Irwin with another shutout. And uh, in the last game, a battle of the Western Conference, LA taking on FC Dallas. Ooh, that's a tough one. Dallas won, uh, won this matchup. With a late George John goal, that's the infamous uh, bottle incident there in uh, in Frisco, uh, L.A. I think you know what? I think they finally wake up. I think they finally wake up and take it to Dallas. Uh, Robbie Keane has a big game, and and I think Jossie's artist, the rookie, comes out and has a good game. I believe also that uh, Blas Perez is playing in this game too. He is. He is. He's been playing for them. Well, I mean, he's. I believe he's missing Panama's uh, opening game of the Gold Cup to play in this game. Is what I'm saying. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, that's big for him. That's yes. big for FC Dallas that uh, he he's going to miss Panama's game against Mexico, which you know surprised me a bit. Uh, but clearly, he, you know, you understand how important it is for FC Dallas for him to be there. Look at me busting out busting out news, Ivis. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. It's time to do the SBI Q&A. If anyone wants to get their questions answered by Ivis, you have to tweet him before the show. We usually record the show, so pay attention to his Twitter account, and uh, you can send us a question, and, and we pick the questions that people ask. The first question is from Andrew Self. The question is, do you think Mix Diskarud would have a better U.S. men's national team future in MLS or on his current team? Well, I think he's in a good spot now. You know, I think he uh, he had a really good year at Rosenborg this past year, and uh, it's tough to say if he could have done better in MLS. I think you know what if he had signed with Portland, uh, obviously with with the way things are going well there, you know, you, you'd like to think that playing in that on that team right now would be helping him. But I I, I don't know if it's tough to say one way or the other. I think I think he's in a good spot. You know, he has a chance to really showcase himself for scouts. Uh, to move to make another move eventually to a bigger club, and I tell you what, he's he looked really good tonight, uh, Friday night against Guatemala, coming on as a sub. So I feel like he's he's developing well. He's developing well. Next question comes from Jared Tong. Holden and Disgrude have to start the next game, right, over Beckerman Torres. You know, uh, it, it, if it happened, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like Klinsman's mo. Uh, is to want to have that kind of pure number six uh, defensive midfielder in front of the back four, and I think Beckerman still can fill that role. Uh, I think, however, Holden played. I think I think Holden played well enough at this point that he could absolutely end up getting a start over Jose Torres. Not that Jose Torres was terrible; he had some good moments. He obviously assisted on the opener, uh, but I, Holden was just so good. Uh, for me, the only way he doesn't start is if you are seriously concerned about his ability to go 90 minutes. If you think, oh, you know, he's not there yet and he's more of a 55, 60-minute guy and then you can't really – you don't really want to start a guy who can't give you 90. That's the only excuse I think there can be for Holden not starting. Uh, but otherwise, I think I'd see, I'd see Beckerman and Holden in the middle for, for the Belize game. Next question comes from James Stanzel. Is the solid 45 minutes for Stu tonight too soon to say is ready to replace Jermaine Jones on the A squad? It's too soon. It's too soon. Is, it a, is that a likely scenario? Is that a possible scenario that Holden eventually takes Jermaine Jones' spot? It's absolutely a possibility. But, but a game of 45 minutes against a, a not very good and also tiring Guatemala team 
I don't think that all of a sudden you're going to say he's definitely a guy who starts over a Champions League player in Jermaine Jones. That being said, uh, you know, you got to like the fact that Holden showed all the qualities uh, that you remember him having at Bolton when Bolton was in the Premier League. And when, and when people were talking about Holden is one of the better midfielders in the entire Premier League. Uh, you know, that, that seems like so long ago, the injuries and everything that's happened. But the quality is there for him to eventually take over that job and be Michael Bradley's partner in central midfield. I absolutely can see it happening. But it, is, it, is it there yet already? No, it definitely isn't. Uh, Jermaine Jones is not giving that is not going to give that position up without the fight. Uh, next question is from Mark Armato. He asks, how long do you think the fire can stay on fire? Uh, you know what? It, it's MLS. There's streaks and there's slumps. And I think they're they're riding high right now. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's tough to keep that kind of pace going. Uh, so I think if you're a fire fan, you want them to – if you're going to want – if they're going to cool off, you want it to happen sooner than later – and hopefully they can, you know, recapture that that form later in the year. I think they're going to start slowing down a bit now, though. I think just the, the number of games they're playing. Obviously, they have the uh, the Open Cup coming up, the Open Cup semifinals uh, in August. And uh, Mike McGee, I, I tell you what, he's un, he's been unbelievable. But I don't know if he can keep that pace up. And they, the Fire are going to need other guys to step up. They can't just rely on Mike McGee every game. And lately they've had that happen. They've had, obviously, Chris Rolfe step up. They had Dilly Duca the past two games now starting to wake up. And, and that's what you really need to see. Are other guys going to start picking up their game so that McGee isn't the guy you have to rely on every single game to give you a goal? And the final question comes from Rod. Gold Cup champ prediction. Got to go USA. You know, I know, you know some people might call that a homer pick. But you know <laughs> the word the word on the on the Mexico team hasn't been great. You know they've played a few friendlies against some club teams and and they haven't looked good at all. So you know obviously Mexico had the, the they had World Cup qualifiers in June. They had the Confederations Cup. So their A team uh, is not factoring into this team. And it, it seems like this B team for Mexico has not found its identity. So that being the case. A U.S. team with Landon Donovan doing well, Stuart holding, Stuart holding looking good. Uh, you have to like their chances. That said, there are some other teams: Honduras, Canada. Yes, folks, Canada. Um, I think Costa Rica. There's still talent there. There's still some teams that are going to be a little tricky, but I, I think it's going to be USA Mexico again. And I think the USA beats Mexico again in Chicago. Well, in hopefully USA does beat Mexico this time because that way they automatically qualify for that play-in game from the Confederations Cup with the winner of the Gold Cup uh, two years from now. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show. We kept our word. We did three shows this week, so we kept our word. Yes. I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen, and I'll take the blame for, for us not recording uh, on Thursday night and having a Friday show. But it actually worked out because we were able to, to, to turn this into the post-game show. And we're going to look to try to do that a little more often now with all these games coming up, see if we can uh, schedule our episodes uh, for after these U.S. games uh, so, so you guys can have a little, uh, a little more of a, of a – to add, add to our post-match coverage on SBI. Yes, I I I, th- I liked it. It was a good idea. Well, it was also good we didn't record last night. I mean, it was Fourth of July yesterday. You were with your family. I was hanging out with my family. You know, sometimes we got we got to step away from the job, Ivis, and, and hang out with our families. <laughs> yeah, you know, we need a little R and R, uh, and you know, between yesterday and today, and obviously, uh, it was a rough morning for me. But you know, the afternoon was pretty good. It was uh, got got to enjoy a little time 
in the pool with the. With why, the wait, wait. Why was it a rough morning for you? Uh, it just. <laughs> I, was, I was up really late last night. I got to tell you, I was uh, working on some stuff. Um, just couldn't get to bed. And uh, but today, no, you know, it's funny. So today, I'm trying to. You know, enjoy some time with, with my with my sons in the pool, and then of course this Josie Altador stuff starts to pop off. So here I am, like with the laptop, like by the pool, which is never a good idea when you have kids splashing around. Um, thankfully, my computer made it made it a made it out alive, but uh, you know, it, it, it was still it, it it turned out to be a pretty good day. It was beautiful, beautiful sunny day in lovely New Jersey. It was beautiful and sunny out here too, and 115 degrees. <laughs> Uh, it was probably 91, 90, it was probably like, like 90, 91, perfect weather. Uh, we didn't break the grill out again. We, I, I grilled, I grilled so much food yesterday that, that we still had enough, uh, for like three meals today. So it was a good, it was a good few days here at the SBI compound in, in lovely North Bergen, New Jersey. Yeah. I acquired some food too. I had, I had my, I had my, I outdid myself yesterday. I made hamburger patties and potato salad and then everyone brought food over and left it. So my fridge is good for like the next two weeks. <laughs> That's nice. That's key, man. You got you. That's uh, you're saving money right there. More more money for uh, for booze. <sighs> Come on, Ivis. You know I don't do that anymore. Hey, we're we're all adults here. We we can all we can all acknowledge that we drink out. Uh, you know, adult adult beverages. beverages? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Jack uh-huh. and Coke. That's my drink. Everyone already. Knows. I think I think I think ninety percent of our readers and half of our listeners are aware by now that I, that Jack and Coke is my drink of choice. Well, as a true hipster that I am, I I love PBR. Uh, all right, that's good. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 that's a that's a staple of of uh, American outlaws functions. So oh, it's great. I, I that's what I take when I go to like uh, Arizona State football games. I'll just walk around the thirty pack at the tailgate. PBR, good. You're good the rest <laughs> of the day. Nice thirty pack. Yeah, if anyone wants to come tailgate with me at ASU, we live in Phoenix. Let me know. <laughs> well, you know, if you ever make it to a U.S. game in your lifetime, I will. We're, we're, we're I'm gonna go and we're gonna host the most epic SBI party of all time. That's the plan, folks. USA, Mexico, and Columbus. Uh, we're gonna see about an SBI party. Um, or wait, I'm we'll, going to Columbus. I thought you said you were going. To I don't know, man. I, 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 also, people oh, listening. Here we go. Well, people listening. Ivis and I are taking like a two week break in August. Him and I are both gonna be on vacation. Um, so that's that's my vacation for the year. I'm not like you, man. I, I don't get to just chill all day. <laughs> if only that were true. Oh, how I wish. I know. I, I know. Yeah. I know you wish, Ivis. Well, man. Uh, you have a great weekend, and I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you again. We'll, Ivis and I will be back again on Monday morning. So have a great weekend, man. All right, you too, man. We'll be back on Monday. We'll preview the USA-Belize match, and we'll talk about uh, what should be another another good weekend in MLS. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for the questions, the reviews, and everything else and the support on the show. Thank you for listening to the SBI Show.